So, Lord, I just ask that you would help me to not in any way explain anything, Lord, except just your heart and your mind and your intention in this prayer. Help every single lady hear the truth. Lord, even if I mess it up a little bit in the way I try to communicate these great spiritual words that you prayed, I pray that you through the Holy Spirit would help her hear it correctly. And I pray, Father, that as we hear your prayer, that it transform our lives to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The reason that I said this was such a hard chapter for me to prepare for is it's not a narrative. It's, it's not chock full of principles, but rather this is the Lord's prayer. And have you ever had your words just in conversation, perhaps misunderstood? And you, you said something to somebody and they took it a different way. This morning, when I first woke up, I, I told Jesus, I said, Jesus, I just don't feel right about trying to explain your prayer because you're the only one, Jesus, who knows your heart, who knows your intention. And he was so sweet. He was so sweet in those quiet moments. And he said, Debbie, I already showed you in 2000 or 1999, this prayer. This prayer by Jesus is an organized prayer. He prays first for himself. He then prays for his disciples. And then he prays for unbelievers in the world. In 1999, when I asked the Lord, how can I organize my prayers? And I was bowed before him asking him how I could organize my prayers. He gave me this particular format that is in the prayer journal out there. And he, and he said, first, pray for Keith and yourself. Then pray for your children, for Taylor and Lauren and then pray for your extended family, and then pray for your ministry, which is what Jesus also does, is pray for the disciples' ministry, and then pray for the world and for the unsaved. And he said, Debbie, this is nothing that I haven't already shown you. And I went and I dug out of my prayer journals, that very first prayer journal, and I turned to February 2000. And on February 21st, I prayed for Keith's safety and prote protection as the Lord prays for the safety and the protection of his disciples and that he would keep his heart focused, which is his prayer for them. I prayed for myself, your the Lord, I said, your purity of heart and direction. I prayed he would give me his purity of heart and direction. I prayed for Taylor that he would continue in his love and his perspective of you. I prayed for Lauren regarding her friendships and that their friendships would not dwindle away 
as the Lord prayed for the unity of those disciples and to be one. I prayed for my sister, one of them, for the sweetness of his spirit to be in them. I prayed for my sister, Linda, for patience with one of your children. I prayed for you, Cindy, February 21st, 2000. I prayed for you, Cindy. I prayed for you, safety and protection, and that you would come home. I prayed that in 2000 for you. I love you. This is my niece, Cindy. I prayed on February 21st, 2000 for you, friends. I prayed for your cohesive fellowship. I prayed for you to be one in love. And I prayed for you to admire one another. What do I mean by that? I admire you. I admire that Glenda wants her healing in her, her body so that she can work in the children's program. I admire those of you who have physical struggles, yet you come here. I think it is good, as, as Paul writes, that we are to build up one another. I prayed for my ministry for that there, there would be fervency in prayer and for the Lord to guide me in the ministry. And I prayed for the unsaved, that we would reach the unsaved through the study I was teaching at that time, and that they would call on the Lord Jesus and they would confess Jesus as Lord. This is a prayer journal. Prayer in the Bible is extremely important. There are 650 prayers listed in the Bible. There are approximately 450 recorded answers to prayer in the Bible. The Bible records Jesus praying 25 different times during his earthly ministry, but we know he, he prayed <laughs> continually more. Although prayer can be done from any bodily position, the Bible lists the postures of sitting, standing, kneeling, with one's face bowed to the ground and with hands lifted up as we see Jesus doing this week, but in our chapter next week, he will be on his face before the Lord, before his heavenly Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the prayer lists at least nine main types of prayer, prayers of faith, prayers of agreement, prayers of requests, prayers of thanksgiving, of worship, consecration, intercession, and imprecation and praying in the spirit. This, these numbers that I gave you are from Joe Carter and the Gospel Coalition. This chapter is telling you and me that we need to pray, not talk about prayer, not only give those quick arrow prayers, but we need to be fervent in prayer. If you, if you pull out your listening guide, you are, going to say, you are going to see under the doctrine of prayer, I kept it very simple. And I said, we are to pray for ourselves 
And if you think, oh, well, I don't want to be selfish and pray for myself, well, that's what Jesus did. He prayed for himself, and he prayed for himself first. And then he prayed for his disciples. He prayed for the unbelieving world and then for you and me. And we see that we are to do as Jesus modeled. It's important for you, I believe, and me to not only pray silently, but it is through the prayers that Jesus prayed out loud and others pray out loud. I love to read Daniel's prayer of repentance for the nation. I love to read others' prayers. Moses' conversation with Jesus, I mean with the Father. Those, those are prayers. Talking to the Lord is prayer. That is what prayer is. It's talking. And I talk to the Lord all day long. And if you ever start feeling in your spirit some angst, some anxiousness, some uncomfortableness, some whatever it is, I, I had that happen to me yesterday afternoon. I, I just started feeling some anxiety, and so I went into my study, and I just knelt and, and just, Lord, and just started talking to Jesus. Jesus, I, I just feel a little something, and I don't know why. And as I prayed and talked to him, he just filled me again with his peace. So, so, so we can be in a, in a very intentional, formal prayer, which is what I do every morning. It is an organized prayer that the Lord gave me, and I didn't even realize it in 2000 when I said, Lord, I don't know how to organize my prayer life. And he said, well, first enter my courts with praise. And so I've started every morning and I begin praising him. And that's why some of you get the 365 days of praise devotional that gives you a different attribute of God every single day. So I enter his courts with praise. And then I pray for Keith. I pray for me. I have it listed in this journal. And then I pray for Taylor and Allie, Lauren and Chris and their family and children's. And then I pray for my extended family. And then I pray for my friends. I have, as I mentioned last week, those of you who turned in a slip that you wanted me to pray for you, that you abide more and produce more fruit, I'm praying for you every morning for that. So along with my prayer journal, your slips of paper with your handwritten name are right on there, and I'm praying for you. So, so there is an organization, and, and it's important to know what you're praying, why you're praying, and it's important also that you model it. Because you have disciples. You have your family members. I'm not saying that you're the Lord and you've got people who are supposed to be following you. But I'm saying that you have people who are learning from you, good or bad. So when we pray a blessing over a meal, when somebody calls and says, oh, I'm hurt or I'm upset or whatever, and you say, let me pray for you right now and you voice a prayer for them, you are modeling as Jesus models for you and me. So as we look at this prayer, keep these things in mind. As I said before, Jesus' posture in this prayer is he has his eyes lifted to, toward heaven. And it was common at this period of time when, when Jesus live, lived for the Jewish men or women when they were praying to have their hands raised in expectancy. And so this is the, the posture that Jesus has right now. 
And you're going to notice in this passage, pay attention, he is going to say, Father, in verse 1. And then in verse 11, he's going to say, Holy Father. And then again, he is going to say, Righteous Father, as he continues in verse 25. He is very mindful of the glory of his Father and praying for him. This is so rich. Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. It's here. It's here from all eternity past. It is here. And then he says, glorify your son, that the son may glorify you. Oh, friends, this word glorify, it means to make manifest, to make known. Jesus, what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, I am about to go, and the most unglorified thing in the world happened to me. I am going to be stripped naked. I am going to be bludgeoned to death, almost. I am going to be nailed up on a cross. The most undignified, most horrible thing is going to happen to me. And he is saying, glorify me. You may be going through an awful, awful, awful thing. Why don't you pray those words? Glorify me. Glorify yourself, Father. Because that word glory means to show forth. It means to manifest. And we'll talk about that a little bit in a more. And he said, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to whom all you have given him, he, speaking of himself, Jesus, may give eternal life. This is eternal life that they may know you. The only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent he is going to use this word glorified repeatedly through this. It's our whole purpose. You wake up in the morning and you say, well, I don't know what you're going to do. Yeah, you do. Your job is to glorify the Lord. So whether you're at the grocery store and you are nice to the cashier and you say, bless you, or whatever, I, that is our job. It's our, our primary job. As a, as a matter of fact, I keep in my prayer journal at home, and I, I may have taken it out of here and put it somewhere else, but I keep in my prayer journal at home, what 1 Corinthians, I think it is 6, 9, or 10, it says, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God, Debbie. Do all to the glory of God, everything. Do I do it perfectly? Oh, absolutely not. And that's why I'm also on my knees repenting, which Jesus did not have to do. Verse 5, now, he says in verse 4, I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. And so the question has been raised, well, how do we glorify God? I mean, I can't put a light bulb in me. How do I glorify? I glorify God, you glorify God through what you do. That's what Jesus said. I glorified you, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And we're going to see as we go through this that God has given every single believer work to do. When you accomplish the work that God, the Father, has given you to do, you glorify him. You, that means you make him known. Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested, there's that, understanding manifested revealed your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world they were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word verse 7 now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you for the words which you gave me I have given to them how do you glorify God you glorify God through your 
works. Did you see Jesus, what he said? We glorify God through what we do. We glorify God through the words that we speak. He says, I ask on their behalf, verse 9, I do not ask on behalf of the world. Right now he's praying for the disciples, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. This whole prayer is a prayer about relationships. Do you have any relationship issues? Do you, with other people, do you have any relationship issues with a father? You may not understand. You may be angry toward him. This whole prayer is a prayer about relationships. He says in verse 11, I am no longer in the world. What in the world does he mean by that? Well, yeah, he was in, um, he's getting ready to be on the cross, staked to the world. In Jesus's mind, in his understanding, he was already back with the father glorified. Do you know that the scripture says that you are already seated with Christ in the heavenly places? You are. You're already seated with Christ. I am in the heavenly places. This is a positional reality, although not yet physically experienced. Verse 11, I'm no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name that you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me, and I guarded them. Right here, Jesus isn't asking for anything. He's having a conversation. Do you understand that right now? Jesus is not asking anything. He's talking with his heavenly father. Do you do that? Lord, I'm trying to get to work on this Bible study, but I'm just really being distracted. But I, I love you so much, God, and I want to, I want to be focused on, on the Bible study, uh, but I'm feeling pressed for time. You can talk to him. Just talk. This is what Jesus is doing. He's talking with his heavenly father as if he was right there. He's just discussing what he's been doing. I've been keeping them. I've been guarding them. All except the one who perished, the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. For those of you who want to know that, Psalm 41.9, where this was prophesied by David. He says in verse 13, but now I come to you. And these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you, and here he gets to the ask, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. That is a reference to the devil, the father of lies. He says in verse 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. That word sanctification has three components. The moment you come to salvation, you are sanctified. You are set apart. That word sanctify means to set apart as for a holy purpose, for a holy use. So it's not just setting you apart, but it's setting you apart for a holy use. And he says, sanctify them in the truth. You're sanctified, you're set apart as gods in Christ Jesus at the moment that you say, I believe Jesus. But the Bible speaks of a present sanctification, or some call it a progressive sanctification, which is what's happening to us right now. As we study the truth and we allow the Lord to prune from us 
old parts of ourselves, our old cranky nature. Perhaps this morning he, he prunes from us resentment we've had towards someone or lack of faith. He is progressively setting us apart for his holy use. Because the more you are set apart unto God and set apart for his holy use, the more he will be glorified through your life. There may be some activities you no longer do that maybe were fun, but he has called you into working with the children or working with the youth or taking care of a loved one that will have eternal value or perhaps just your study so that you can grow. Sanctify them in the truth and we will have that ultimate perfect sanctification when we are in heaven and we will be set apart ultimately and finally. So there is a past, a present, and a, a future sanctification. We are in the process of the progressive sanctification, which is happening even right this second. He continues in verse 18, and he says, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And this is extremely important for us to recognize. In verse 19, Jesus said, for their saves, I sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. Jesus set himself apart as holy for God's holy use for my sake, for his sake, for your sake. He did that for you. Now, will you sanctify yourself? Will you stop anything that is not glorifying to him? a critical spirit, a controlling attitude, a selfish tendency, an aggression. Will you set yourself apart for him because he did it for you and me? He says in verse 20 now, he's going to pray for, for the, those who will come to believe. He said, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory you have given me, I have given to them. Jesus has revealed who the Father is. Jesus has done works that people were able to say. This was not done just by a human man. And, and they looked up to the Father and Jesus says, the very same thing in Matthew where he said, let your good work shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify the Father. People are supposed to see what we are doing or saying and it not stop here because it's not of us. They're supposed to see and then it point to the Father. This is so exciting. Our lives are so purposeful. He says, they, he prays that we be perfected in unity so that the world may know that the Father sent him, so that they'll know the Father loved him. And then he says, Father, in verse 24, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory. Jesus wants us to see his glory. And he wants us to see the glory that he had before the foundation of the world. Do you see that in verse 24? There was a pre-creation. There was a pre-Genesis 1-1. And then Jesus is like, Father, these, these guys, they've got to see it. 
O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these have known you sent me, and I have made your name known to them, and will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in you. Friends, I'm going to run through some points, but you know that this is being videotaped by the church, and it's on YouTube, and you can hit the pause button. All right, and you can, and you, you can, and you can have it with the captions. So the Lord has led me to bring this to you, grab what you can this morning, and then you can go back and you can pay more attention to it later. Jesus is intentional in his prayer. His prayer is purposeful. 87, say that with me. 87 times the book of John records the words, so that. The only other book of the Bible where so that is recorded 87 times is in the book of Genesis. John picked up the Holy Spirit, brought to his mind these words, so that. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you. Verse 11, he prays. I come to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, so that they may be one, even as we are one. Verse 13, I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that my joy may be made full in them. And friends, you know that happiness is based on the happenings in your life. Joy is based on Jesus and his fullness in your life. He prays in verse 21 that they may all be one, even as you, Father, and me, and I, and you, that they also may be one so that the world will believe. Friends, if we are all contentious with one another, if we're squabbling, if we're fighting, infighting in the church, infighting amongst believers, that is not glorifying to the Lord. In verse 22, he prays, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them so that, let me go ahead. He says in verse 23, I and them and you and me, so that the, they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you have sent me. Again, in verse 23, he says, so that the world may know that you sent me, so that the world may know that you loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus wants the world, unbelievers, to know that the Father sent him he wants the unbelieving world to know that God the Father loves Jesus. He wants the unbelieving world to know that the Father loves them. He wants them. And so that's why he is praying. In verse 24, he says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory. In verse 26, he says, I have made your name known to them and will make it known so that... The love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. This is all about relationship so that I may be in them. 
What does Jesus pray for himself? Well, we've talked about it. He prays that the Father glorify him so that he glorifies himself. Pay attention this next week. When you pray for your good health, what are you praying for your good health for? So that you don't have to keep going back to the doctor, so you don't have to keep paying for those drugs? Or do you pray for your good health or your loved ones so that you are healthy and strong to run the race that God has put before you? When you pray for your children, that they be successful, why do you pray, Father, please let my child succeed in the world? Or do you pray, Father, please help my child succeed in the world so that through their opportunities with business or finances, they may glorify you? What is your so that on the end of your request? Pay attention to what your so, your so that is. Oh, Lord, I wish I could just really lose some weight. Get some of this fat off me. Why? So that you can look cute and attract somebody at the office? So you can just fit back in the prior size you used to fit in? Or so that you are the healthiest you can be. So that you can do the works that God has sent you to do on this earth. What is your so that? What is your so that? The glories that are spoken of here, there are at least four glories that we see of the Lord Jesus. He speaks of his pre-incarnation glory. The glory that I had with you, Father, before the foundation of the world. He speaks of, in Hebrews 2, 7, how he laid aside his glory. But he still manifested the glory of God through the works he did and the words he spoke. Do you remember the transfiguration glory? In Matthew 17, and it says, his face shone like the sun, and his garments were white as light. Those three disciples with him got a glimpse of Jesus's glory. And then there is the resurrection glory. When he was raised, and his, he was changed, and at first not recognized, but then recognized but he could walk through walls. Do you remember the Shekinah glory of God that led the Israelites out of bondage? We are talking more brilliant than the light glory. And oh yes, there is no way that through this body, the fullness of the glory of God will be manifest. But yes, there is an opportunity for you and me to have as Moses perhaps had, he would go and meet with the Lord in the tent of meeting. And when he left that time of being in the presence of the Lord, he would have to put a veil over his face because his face shone from having been in the presence of the Lord. Friends, check your countenance. If you're scowling, if you've got a dark countenance, oh, friends, we don't need a physical makeover at some spa. We need a spiritual makeover in the presence of the Lord. And 2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us how we do it. Paul writes and he says, We all with unveiled face, not like Moses, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed. 
The more you look at who the Lord is, then the more you know what you are supposed to look like. And the more intently you are in his word, the more you are transformed into his likeness. This is exciting. We need to be being transformed quickly. Progressive sanctification. So that we are speaking more the words and the works and doing the works and showing forth the light of the Lord's countenance in our lives so that when people look at us, they have that boomerang, they see the reflection of the Lord. Yes, we can glorify the Lord. What does Jesus pray? How was the Heavenly Father's work? I mean, glory made known. I've already told you this. And the principle is the Father gives every believer works and words to accomplish so that people know him. Ephesians 2.10 and Matthew 28, 19 through 20. How does Jesus define eternal life that they know the Father, the only true God and Jesus Christ? This word know means know through experience. You know Jesus through experience. It, you perceive the Holy Spirit guiding you through your senses, your God-given senses. He created you with the capacity to experience him through your senses and to know that comes from an active relationship. All people are going to have eternal life. Some in the presence of God and some separated. What does Jesus pray for believers? That he keeps us, that we are one, that we be kept from the evil one, that he sanctifies in the truth, set us apart and be used for his holy purposes. And when I was studying this, I was reminded of the other day when I, I grabbed a plate from the, from the cabinet to, to use. And I was like, oh, well, good grief. That plate didn't get clean. So I, so I put that plate aside and I got me another plate that I could use. Now I had all these plates set in my cabinet. I don't know how that one got up there. It must have been keep. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how that dirty one slipped by and got set up there, but it was, the, the plates were set apart to be used. And there are some of us in this room, and we're saved. We've been set apart to be used for God's holy purposes. He wants to take you and put you in front of somebody. He wants to take you and use you somewhere. But we just can't quite get rid of that resentment. We say, oh, Lord, forgive me of all my sins. But we don't go in his presence and say, get out the eternal water and the scrub brush. I repent. I want to be used. I want to, I want to be changed. The principle, we are to be increasingly like Jesus, glorifying, revealing the Father to the world by our works and works. And he prays that we be one, perfected in heaven. And I, I give you this warning as we draw to a close. The heavenly Father and Son, they are about oneness, unity, love, truth, glory, heaven. And Satan, the evil one, is about dividing. So if you, as I said a few weeks ago, if you ever start to lie, you remember that that thought for you to lie is coming from the father of lies, the devil. If you are happy in a contentious relationship with another believer, this is your warning. Don't be a pawn in Satan's hands. 
because if you did not hear the word one, 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 Satan wants to divide believers. All be one. What is the relationship of believers with the world? We are in the world, but we are not of the world. We are hated by the world, not taken out of the world, but we are kept from the evil one, and most importantly, we are sent into the world. Why? Why does he give us good works to do? Why does he send us? Say it with me. So the world may believe. Are we faithfully manifesting the Father so others are saved? The Father sent Jesus into the world. Jesus sends you into the world. Friends, it's so easy. There's a lady in our class that just handed somebody a card inviting her to women's Bible study. Didn't say anything, just handed her a card. In Pat's class, the woman came. Last Tuesday night, Keith and I had a social function to, go, to attend to with the hospital. And I saw a couple that we hadn't seen in a long, long time. And she said, so what have you been up to? If somebody says, what have you been up to? Do not say, oh, not much. <laughs> you say, I, I go to women's Bible study and we're studying John and there are women of all different denominations that gather, all different levels of Bible knowledge, uh, all different styles. And I say, come, come. I invited this woman when she said, so what have you been up to? And I told her Keith and I had started a new Sunday school class, The Bridge, and invited her to come. And my jaw dropped when Sunday morning there in the chapel, I looked and, and she and her husband walked. And I was like, thinking to myself, well, what are you doing here? <laughs> Thank goodness I didn't say that. If somebody says, what have you been doing? What are you going to say? Going to Bible study? Come join us. Let me ask you again. If somebody says, what have you been up to? What are you going to say? Uh-huh. And then what, join us, right? <laughs> Friends, we don't gather so we can just study. We gather so that we can be changed. Jesus is intentional. In, if you get one of these prayer journals, follow the Lord's pattern for prayer that he gave me 20 years ago that I didn't even know. In that first column, I put the Lord and all those attributes of God that I have right there, enter his courts with praise, are ways that the Lord is described. He is God's son. He has all authority. He is the giver of eternal life. He is sent by the Father, eternal, glorified, all God. I give you every week the ways that the Lord is described. If you get 365 days of praise, you record it in that first column of your journal. He prayed for his disciples, that they glorify the Father, they be one, that they be guarded, kept in his name. You, I've already given all these to you. That's what I pray for my family. He prayed for the world. He prayed, whoops, let me go back. This is my journal that I'm praying for my friends, for your health, that they abide in you, that you bear much fruit, that you're able to forgive. And that red line is if I use that attribute of God, then I use that and I may pray that all the way through. Father, you glorified the Father 
And so my prayer may, I'll just draw a line. I want Keith and me to glorify the Father. I want Taylor and Allie to glorify the Father. I want Lauren and Chris to glorify the Father. I want my sister Linda to say, and so I'll just group all the way across there. And then praying for ministry and for the world, that they will, Holy Spirit will convict, that they will turn from evil, turn to Jesus, use believers in the government, guard the innocent. Jesus prays for you and has given you his eternal life, his Holy Spirit, his words of truth, his full joy, his glory, his love, his heaven, and his purpose. In this one prayer, Jesus has given you all that. All that. His prayer was intentional. He gave reasons for his request. And so, would you read this with me? I can pray intentional prayers. I can give the Father the so that reason for my prayer. I can glorify the Father through the indwelling Holy Spirit. I can study the truth and be used for the Father's purposes. I can confess my resentment toward another believer and forgive and be one with them. I can choose Christ's full joy. I can be perfected in unity with other believers and the Lord. I can love so that the world believes. Jesus prayed to glorify the Father. What does that mean? Lord, live through me. Is that your prayer? I can pray to glorify the Father. Live through me. And if you're an unbeliever, you can confess your sins. Oh, Father, we love you so much. And oh, Jesus, we love you. Thank you for praying out loud. Amen.